So, uh, you know, I, I've got to be honest, I, have, I love my job, and uh, it is an unbelievable privilege to be able to um, lead um, the central uh, site, but also get the opportunity to come out and hang out with uh, some of our other sites and also just be able to lead and, and to preach. And uh, I don't know what your view of us as leaders are. Um, I often... Th- <laughs> I'm not asking, I'm not solicited for opinion right now, okay? <laughs> but, but I think sometimes people think we've got it all together. Often they do, you know. And uh, just, I want you just to give you a window into my life. This is what happened to me this morning. Um, we, the alarm went off. It was like death. <laughs> you know, you didn't want to get up. Um, Victoria got up before me. She's, she was on it. She's leading uh, at Central this morning. Uh, anyway, long story, but basically I grabbed some trousers, put them on, threw a shirt on. Victoria and the girls legged it off. I jumped in the car. As I'm passing Port Lethen, I look down. And I realize I've put jeans on that I've, that actually me and Jude were, were, were working in a warehouse uh, about uh, 10 days ago. And they were absolutely covered in dust and mud and just horrible. And I'm like, I can't. I can't rock up in Inverurie. They've got standards. I mean, <laughs> I'm not quite sure where they are, but they've still got standards. I look like I've just coming off the farm, you know what I mean? So, so I actually turned the car around and went back and got changed just for you lot. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it just shows, you know, we, we, you know listen, when we preach and we're reading the Bible, I want you to know we have not got it all sorted. We still make mistakes. We overlook things. This is a journey that we're on, a lifetime journey of following Jesus and encountering him and trying to understand and grapple often with really tough stuff. And um, we're going to be looking at a passage today that is a pivotal point in Jesus's life and ministry. And actually, it's, it's a really tough moment. And, um, and it's a bit of a battle. And I want to introduce you to my uh, nine friends here. Um, oh, sorry. Well, one's missing. <laughs> uh, my eight friends. And uh, these guys, uh, takes you back, 1943. These are eight commandos that were trained not that far from here in the northeast of Scotland uh, on the coastline. And they were Norwegians. And they'd come out of Norway when uh, the Nazis had invaded. And uh, they'd been retrained here in the UK to go back into Norway on a very important mission. And uh, this particular mission was called the Gunnerside Mission. It happened in 1943. And these nine men uh, parachuted into Norway They snuck onto a high plateau and lived there for three months, living off the land. And what their mission was, was to blow up a heavy water plant. And it was the only heavy water plant in northern Europe at the time. And these nine, uh, eight men um, had to do extraordinary things to access this particular uh, site. They had to scale a 500-foot cliff. Uh, They did that. I mean, in freezing conditions, Arctic conditions, in snow and ice and all that kind of stuff. They broke into the, 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 the uh, plant. They set charges, and then they actually got out. And they blew up this plant. 
And, um, you know, it's, a, it's something that we don't really know much about. It actually was made into a film. For those of you that are of a particular age and stage in life may remember the heroes of Telemark. And um, somebody remembers. Yeah, there you go. I'm speaking the people's language. <laughs> but, but often we don't realize this particular battle, this particular mission had an unbelievable effect on the Second World War because it practically halted the, uh, the German advancement of nuclear devices. It's a battle that we don't know much about, but it had incredible after effects, if you like. And where we're going today is we're going to go and look at a passage where Jesus has a battle and uh, he has to wrestle. And uh, to win the war in life, there are often lots of challenges, aren't there? There are lots of little battles that we have to work through and win out to win the whole thing. And this is really Jesus's kind of big wrestle in the Garden of Gethsemane. Okay, and that's where we're going to go. So if you've brought your Bibles with you today, um, we're going to be in Mark chapter 14. Let's just uh, grab that. I think there's some Bibles up here. Uh, does somebody want to grab these Bibles? This good-looking gentleman. Well, good-looking. <laughs> uh, standards. I thought the standard here was to honor. You know, so uh, Mark chapter 14. Uh, we're, we're kind of uh, in this uh, season. We're working towards the cross. We're working towards Easter, Resurrection Sunday. You know, the thing is, we know the end of the story uh, that we're with resurrection, life, and power. But before you get there, there's some other stuff that has to happen. And here we are in Mark chapter 14. Jesus has um, had the Last Supper. Um, Jesus has uh, said to Peter that people are going to fall away. He's going to fall away. And um, the, here we are in verse 32. They went to a place called Gethsemane. And Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. Going a little further, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will but what you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Could you not keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Wow. I don't know if that's me. I don't know about you guys. That's definitely me. My spirit is willing, but often my flesh is weak. And then, and once more he went away and prayed the same thing. When he came back again, he found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. They did not know what to say to him. Returning the third time, he said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Enough, the hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Wow, this is a, certainly... Uh, a powerful, powerful, uh, and actually quite dark moment in the life of Jesus. And um, 
as I was reading and reflecting on this, what, I, I, what grabbed me first of all was this. The Garden of Gethsemane wasn't an accident. Jesus deliberately went there. You know, he, he left that upper room and, and he crosses the Kidron Valley and he, he deliberately goes to that garden. And he goes there, you know, you think about the pressure that, that, that's, that's upon him, the, the, the turmoil that's been described here, you know, the, the anxiety uh, that's around this situation. And he pursues the Father in this place. He has a place to go. I wonder, do we have a place to go when the pressure is on? Do we have a place to go when the heat is on? Jesus has a place to go where he presses into his dad, his Abba father. I didn't realize this, but I, I didn't realize that Gethsemane wasn't just a one-off. If you know the story, Mark and Luke and the guys, they, they, they put this story in here, this moment. Um, but I, I, I didn't realize this, but um, when, Judas dis, um, when Judas betrays Jesus, I, I don't know how you read the scriptures, but how the heck did he know where, the, where Jesus was going to be? Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about that? He got the whole of Jerusalem and the outlying area Jesus is under pressure. He's pursuing his father in the garden. Judas is pursuing silver and betrayal. As he, you know, so one's going this way, the other is going this way. How on earth does Judas know where Jesus is after he's gone to the Pharisees? Well, we find out in John's gospel, it says that Jesus went to this place many times. Jesus had a place. Jesus had built a habit to deal with the horror of what was to come. I'm challenged by it. He built a shelter before the storm. You know, guys, I don't know about you, but I'm challenged by this moment. I'm challenged because I often don't do this. My habits, my spiritual habits are not what they could be or maybe even should be. But Jesus had built a habit of pursuing his dad in good times and in tough times, in decision-making moments. He'd built a habit to deal with the horror of what was about to come. Have we got a place? Have we got a place to go? A place to meet with our dad in heaven. Abba, Father, wow. We have We have a Father in heaven who loves us and we can access. And you know, I, I just don't go there enough. Because the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So my, you know, as I'm reading this, I'm challenged by it. And I really want to encourage us this morning, build a place. Find a place. Jesus did. It was in a garden. A lovely garden. And that's where he was meeting his dad. And that's where he went when the pressure was on. Where do we go? Who do we go to when the pressure is on?
So Jesus is in his place. And he's preparing in this place for the final leg. He is a place, a safe place to take his anguish, his overwhelming sorrow, a place where he can acknowledge and wrestle with his own humanity. You see, this place was a place to be real. A place where we could be, he could be transparent and vulnerable. It says that he was overwhelmed with anguish. This is, this, is a, this is a Jesus what we haven't actually met before, isn't it? See, we've met the Jesus who says to the wind and the waves, listen, back off, be quiet, sit down. We like that Jesus, don't we? We like that Jesus who can speak into the storms of our lives and say, oi, pack it in. That's the Greek translation, by the way. We, don't we? We like, we like that Jesus. We like that Jesus who rocks up when lepers come to him and he touches them and lame men come through ceilings and he heals them. We love that Jesus. We're seeing a Jesus. We love the Jesus that stands up for those that don't have a voice. For men and women who have been pushed down, pushed aside. We love the Jesus that stands. And I nearly stood on this. I thought better not. You know. Because I've not been in training. <laughs> but you, you understand, we love the Jesus who does all of this stuff. But here is a Jesus who is seemingly weak and vulnerable and full of anguish. Throughout history, this garden moment in Jesus' life has challenged many people. In fact, it's actually some, some sort of um, theologians and historians really don't like this moment. They'd like to miss it out because we like the Jesus that floats kind of through life and the tough stuff and the painful stuff doesn't affect him because he is God. But what we see here is he is God and man. And so for some, this is a real problem. But for many others, and for me as I read this afresh, it's, oh, thank goodness. We have a Jesus who knows what it's like to feel the effects of life and pain and potentially the worry of what's to come. Death and sickness and pain and suffering and anguish. All of that's there. And he is feeling it. See, I'm, a, I'm just grateful. We have a Jesus that understands our stuff. I don't know what you're going through right now. Whatever it is, Jesus feels it and knows it. Because he's been there in the garden. I like this Jesus. I can identify with this Jesus because he identifies with us. And so here we have a Jesus who is wrestling with his humanity. And he's, so what can we learn in this moment? That Gethsemane isn't just a moment in the life of Christ, but actually it's a model. For us, this moment is a model. It's a model of how to deal with painful stuff. It's a model where we need to pursue the Father in the face of tough stuff, not run from that, push into Him. And here's the thing I don't know if you noticed this. This is the toughest, one of the toughest moments in the life of Jesus, and He's not doing it alone. Jesus could have gone to this garden on his own. No, 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 no. In fact, Jesus very rarely did anything on his own. 
In fact, even in the most intimate moments of pain and triumph, he's gathered some friends with him to go on a journey. And so the twelve go to there, to this place, and then he takes three of his closest confidants, and they are invited into this wrestle. Peter, James, and John, will you now stay here and pray and pray for me as I just go a stone's throw away and I am in full anguish? You see, Jesus is dealing with some stuff with the Father, but he's not on his own. He's invited people into the pain. And we know, and this preach isn't about Peter, James, and John's sleeping, but the invitation was come. Come and be a part of this as well. Come and see it for what it really is. And I wonder somewhere in our social model, in our leadership model, in our parental model, somewhere along the lines, we see where, where, when there's pain and there's tough stuff happening, that, that, the, that the, the right thing to do and the tough thing to do is to go it alone. Even the mature thing. In church circles, sometimes I think it's perceived that you do this on your own. But if this is the model, our Savior, the King of, uh, uh, the Prince of Peace, He's inviting others to be a part of it. If this is the model, why are we doing it on our own? Jesus invites. He's the model. If He is the model for winning, and the question I ask myself is, why do I withdraw and do it solo? You know, that's why we have small groups. That's why men and women get together in triplets and they pray together. You know, that's why we talk about being family in some shape or form. It might not be a perfect family, but we're saying, hey, good stuff, bad stuff, we're in it. We're in it together. There are people in this room today. I mean, I, I love coming here because I get a chance to see a whole bunch of people that I haven't seen in a long time. And some of the people in this room, we've done life together for 20 years. I can pick up the phone you know, and probably phone them and go, hey, I need help. And I know they'd be there for me. Jesus models something here. Let's not do it on our own and I think also this, just pastorally now. Some of us, when tough stuff happens, you know, we, you know what our immediate reaction is? We don't pursue daddy in heaven. We pursue public opinion. If this is the model, what we do is we go and ask Archie and Jude straight away because they're the pastors or, or somebody else. I'm not saying you don't do that. But there is a model here. Where is Jesus? Jesus is pursuing his dad with vulnerability and transparency. You know, and he pursues his dad and he brings others into that. He doesn't ask for their opinion. He says, would you stand with me and cover me and pray for me? This is about cultivating a deeper relationship with Jesus with our, and with our Father in heaven. And so, have we got a place to go? And is, it, is there a place where we can be really real and honest? And it seems like in that place then, that place becomes a place of process. The Garden of Gethsemane was a place of process for Jesus. Look at the order of his prayers. 
you see that? Because I think this is the humanness of Jesus that I love. But there is a process here. He says here, doesn't he, um, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. I mean, that is pretty intense. And then he goes a stone throw away and he cries, Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Abba, Father, Dad in heaven, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Jesus is actually modeling what he's taught his disciples to do. We go to Daddy in heaven, honored is your name. Father in heaven, you, you are sovereign. You can do anything. Let's just acknowledge, even in the pain and the suffering and the tough stuff, Father, you can do all things. His posture is you are dad, you are God, you are sovereign, you are king. But he's honest. You can do all things. Take this from me. I'm feeling the weight of it. Yeah? And yet, not my will but your will. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Take this from me. I don't want it, Lord. But I am subject. I am your son. And I want to glorify you. And I want your kingdom to come. I want your kingdom to grow. And so as we see, we see a little order here. And then if you read it again, it, in Mark's gospel, it seems like he's praying the same stuff. In fact, Mark says uh, he went again and prayed the same thing. But actually, if you read, this is why I love the gospels, and it's really good to go through some of the other gospels. So when you read this in Mark, it's good to go and look what Luke's saying about it, or Mark, uh, Matthew, or, or John, because then we start to get a better picture of it all. In Matthew's gospel, the prayer just slightly changes. It slightly changes. My father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Very similar to Mark. He then goes to the disciples. They have to be woken up. And then he goes back again into that place. And then he prays, my father... If it's not possible for this cup to be taken away, unless I drink it, may your will be done. Something has shifted, hasn't he? He's taken his honest uh, stuff before God and suddenly the, there's a nuance in there. Something is changing. He is moving towards your will, not my will. Your will, your will. There is a, you know, and this is maybe over two or three hours probably. Isn't that interesting? It's like Jesus was freshly surrendering to the will of God. I'm encouraged that there are times in our lives where we struggle with God's will. We struggle and we wrestle. But let's be honest about it and bring it to him. Because we, you know, our posture, isn't it, at this church, and I think theologically our posture is this. When we pray, we should expect power. That's what Jesus, I mean, all the way through the Gospels, Jesus talks about this, yeah? He talks about when you pray, you have an expectation that I'm going to respond and, and expect power to come. But, but often, well, no, not often, that's maybe the wrong, but sometimes 
we pray, get me out of here, Scotty. Beam me up. We do, don't we? That is our natural reaction. Listen, when illness comes, we go, I want out. Do we not? When other stuff happens, when grief happens, when loss happens, when jobs look like, oh no, things aren't going to be working out right. Parenting is tough. You know, sometimes it's like, oh, beam me up now. I've got teenage girls. Trust me. If you're not there, no wonder I'm twitching and, you know. But, you know, there, there is a thing in us, isn't there? Some of you young mums and dads are like, oh, gosh. You're right. I had hair. I had a hair once. Yeah. We pray the prayer, get me out of here. But actually what happens here is this. The power of God comes to strengthen, to prevail, and to overcome. And there are some battles that are about overcoming and not just about get me out. And here Jesus is needing to prevail and to wrestle his own humanity. Why? Well, just have a quick look around right now. Have a look around. Look at your lovely, handsome, beautiful, unique, unusual faces in this room. I'll tell you why he, he prayed and, and God's power came, comes upon him in this. Because of you and me. He needed to prevail in the garden to go to the cross so that you and me could be set free. He had to wrestle with his own humanity in the garden just as he wants to then empower you and me to wrestle with my, our own humanity. There was a lot more at stake in the garden than we realize. Because in the beginning there was a man, another man, in another garden. And he lost the fight to his own humanity. And he went with temptation in that garden. And he rolled over. And Adam took that fruit. And that first Adam lost that wrestle. Because he what? He didn't run to Father. He pursued his own desires. Judas pursued his own desire. Jesus, in this moment, pursues the Father's desire. One brings life and the other brings death. And it's here we are in another garden and another wrestle is on. And this Adam is going to beat it. And he's not going to just beat it for himself. He's beating it for you and me. We were in the garden with him. Hebrews is clear. It says, oh, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Who was, what was the joy? You and me. That's amazing. Where are we? Wow. I better, I've gone off on one, eh? But, but, but this is the wrestle. This is so important. And so we want to pray and we want to wrestle and we need to expect power from God. But sometimes it's a power to prevail and to push through and to win out. You know, as I've been reading this, I'm thinking, I really love Jesus even more. I'm a bloke. And maybe, if you don't notice, you know, I, 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 I'm pretty physical. I'm a 
Good guy. I guess what I'm saying is this. Jesus wrestled in the garden for me. He took on his, his own staff and he wrestled it into submission for me. Jesus had a fight for me. Jesus took out the enemy for me. There's something in a bloke that says, he's my brother because he's got my back. I'm just, it's just a fresh picture of, I love you, Jesus, because you took one for me. He wrestled and he, he wins, he pushes through. So I'm loving this. Are you encouraged? I'm, I'm challenged, but I'm encouraged. And what I'm challenged by, and we're going to land here, is this. Are you still sleeping and resting enough? That's Jesus' words to Peter. Are you still sleeping? I wonder if Peter would have slept if he really knew the enormity of what was actually happening in the garden that night. When your mate is fighting for the, for the eternal destination of humanity, Peter didn't really understand it. So here's the words. Jesus comes back. Enough! Pete! You're still sleeping! Are you still resting, brother? Enough. Rise. Can you look at the words? Rise. Let us go. I put my name in there. Jesus comes back. James, are you still sleeping? Come on, mate. Enough. Come on, it's time to rise. You see, this is the place to wake up. It's the model to beat the enemy, but it's also the place for us to wake up. <laughs> I'm not that awake. I've got to be honest. Your coffee helped. Wow. I didn't put milk, that much milk in it. Come on, is it? Yeah, it's Colombian, all right. I am awake now. I think my pupils are dilating. I just wonder how, you know, just to wrap. I, I don't, you know what? We could all be a little bit more spiritually alive and awake. And this is not a guilt trip. I'm just encouraged that Jesus went there. He pushed through, broke the powers of it all for you and me, and I'm still a bit asleep. I don't want to be that asleep. I want to be awake. Wake me up, please, Jesus. I need to be awake. I need. You know, we've got a, we, on a Wednesday morning at Central, at 7 o'clock, we do a prayer time now. There are about eight, seven or eight of us that get together. I find it brutal. I'm a, I mean, I know some people in this room are morning people. This would not be that big a cost for you. Because you're already awake. I mean, I've got mates who go to work. They're up at half five and they're at work by quarter past six, six thirty. And they're like, I'm on it. I get like three hours done before the rest of the crew arrive. You know, some people are just wired like that. Nine o'clock at night, they're like dead men. You know, do you want to come around for dinner? 
you know, they're morning people. It would be like saying to them, hey, listen, we're having a nine o'clock prayer meeting. You know, they'd be like, oh, this is a cost, you know. But the reality is this. We just want to gather some people because we recognize we need to be awake. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Come on, let's wrestle. Jesus wrestled in the garden. I want to wrestle for some other people now. I want to pray for some people. I want to see them through on some stuff. The church needs to rise up. We need to wake each other, give each other a lovely kind of, hello! (laughs) I think last time I came and preached, I think me and Chris had a little, you know, pretend pagger, didn't we? Anyway, listen, we're landing here. We're just landing here. Oh, was it me and Archie? We and you, mate, we're on it. Are you still? (laughs) But he's awake. Hey, listen, have you got a place? How often do you go there? Have we got that place where we're being honest and vulnerable and we're taking our humanity, we're calling what it is, we're saying, I'm fearful, I'm ex- I've got anxiety about this stuff, I'm worried about the future, so-and-so's ill, I'm ill. You know, you bring it. Are you doing it on your own? Are you bringing some people with you? Because that's the model. Are we pushing through? God, give me the power to press in here, to stand tall. Please, can you wake us up? I need to be awake.